Let's go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And let's take a moment to pray. Father, thanks so much for your spirit in our lives, for the work of God in our church, for speaking to us by your spirit now. We look to you that we may be equipped and prepared, thoroughly furnished unto every good work, and fit and meet for the master's use. Lord, we ask you to open our eyes today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive. Thank you for what you're doing in us now, and what will have that what happens in us will then be used to help somebody else. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, here we go. One by one. We've been in a series. If you missed part one through eight, you are behind. All right? But God is merciful. So are we. Get caught up. Get to our website and get, to, get those messages. We're talking about, as many of you know, how God desires for each and every one of us to be used by Him to affect the life of another person. All right? Each one of us reaching somebody somebody else. And so we're endeavoring to equip and prepare, give the necessary tools and inspiration. And, and we've talked about boldness. We've talked about just a number of practical and spiritual things that uh, help us to be in the will of God. You see, it's not something that the Lord presented to us as optional. He told us to go into all the world and make disciples. And so that's what we ought to be, about our Father's business, being about the work of the Lord, making someone else into a disciple of the Lord. Right? Everybody with me today? Okay. I want to draw your attention again to part number two of this series. How many remember part two? All right, good. (laughs) The rest of you forgot part two already? You you don't memorize my messages? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But part two, I talked about prayer for the lost. You recall that? How to pray for lost people, how to effectively pray for them. And I just want to encourage you again. I got this big stack of names of family members and friends and and all these people that we're in agreement towards that they're going to come into the kingdom of God. And, And like I said about that prayer, it's not like some other prayers where you pray it once and it's done. There are some prayers that are that way. You never ask the same thing twice. Uh, but for for this type of prayer, we stay with it until we see them come into the kingdom. All right? Never give up for their, for their sake. Because when they come in and they see the light and the eyes of their understanding is opened, they're going to be so glad you stayed with it and you didn't give up because they said, I'm not interested. Amen? Amen. And so we're, we're committed. We're going to, get, we're going to see, the, see lives changed. Now, our goal as believers ought not just to be, I want to be a believer. Just satisfied with being saved. But our goal ought to be, I want to be a follower. Or as this, the biblical word is, I want to be a disciple of the Lord. And we know that's what we're talking about. He called us to make disciples, not just convince someone else to believe in Him. All right? To actually make people, and I say make, not force, but we're making people into Christ followers as opposed to just someone who believes in Him. And if I am not that, it's very difficult for me to help somebody else become that. Everything produces after its own kind, and I can't lead a person to a place that I'm not. 
but I must go somewhere first and then lead someone in that same direction. And, and so I want to help you today to understand a little bit about what a disciple looks like. And as I begin to study these things, I realized that I would be in trouble if I kept studying because it, I saw that it was a really big subject in the New Testament, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to not even deal with those scriptures because this is, otherwise this turns into another nine-part series, okay? Uh, and so for now, we're just going to limit it to this to give kind of an overview and a picture of what a disciple looks like. Of course, one reason is it's for self-check, I want to look at myself, I want to look at my own life and see where I'm at. Am I just a believer? Am I actually following the Lord? Because then, to the second part, that's where I want to lead someone. I can't fulfill what the Lord told me to do in someone else's life if I don't even know what that looks like. Everybody with me? All right. And and, and so this is where we're at. Let's start here in Luke chapter 5. And, uh, of course, Jesus is gathering disciples unto himself. Uh, Verse 10, it says, we're jumping in the middle of this here. Um, It says, And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partakers with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Notice that language. He's out there fishing, and he says, You're done. I mean, you're out there doing your job. He's in the middle of his work day, and someone comes walking by and says, You're done. (laughs) From now on, you're going to catch men. Uh, I mean, that was kind of inconvenient. Uh, I mean, how, how would you respond to that? Lord comes by and says, you're not going to do what you've been doing anymore. Well, look what he did. It says, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Wow. They forsook all and followed him. This is now a picture of of what it truly means to be a disciple. And this is some heavy language we're getting in here today. This is not for the weak and faint of heart, okay? This is for those who can handle some really substantive stuff. What did they do? They forsook all and followed Him. We are never going to truly be a disciple of the Lord if we are hanging on to our own life. If we are hanging on to what we say is important and what we say defines who we are, it is time where we are willing to say, I'm going to let go and forsake all and do whatever the Lord wants me to do. Now, it's easy to say amen, isn't it? (laughs) It's a whole other thing to actually put these things into practice. But this is what I want to help you to see today. Skip down to verse 27, chapter 5, verse 27. It says, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Here again, we have, this is someone who became a disciple of the Lord. What did they do? They left everything. And this is, again, a picture. This is what is characteristic of a true disciple. There is nothing in their life that they will not give up if the master calls. If the one that we are following says, you're no longer going to be involved in this area of life, you're going to be doing this. What do we do? We say, well, Lord, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pray about that for a few months. No, no it, who are you going to pray to? 
<laughs> if the Lord says it, then we say, I'm done with that. I am now whatever you said for me to be. You realize how that's a little bit uneasy on the flesh. But the way that we have been trained to live is we focus on what we want. My interests, my needs, my likes, what I feel like doing, what gives me joy. It's all about me. And how many understand me is different than Jesus? <laughs> and, and, and this is a big shift in people's mentality to say, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. Now, I know this, the end, resi- end result of a sold-out life to the Lord is great fulfillment, is great happiness, is great abundance, it's great blessing in our life. However, many people sacrifice God's best for whatever they have because they refuse to look anywhere else. They refuse to let go of what they deem is it for them. I could never be happy if I wasn't fishing. You know, I could never, that's what I am. My dad was a fisher. I'm a fisher. My kids are fisher, fishermen. And I don't know if fisher is a word, but uh, yeah, it is. It's right there. Uh, but I, I, that's who I am. I can't, I, can't t- I can't give this up. Lord, what are you asking me to do? This is who I am. No, I'm first and foremost a follower of the Lord, a disciple of him. So if he says, no, you don't do that anymore, then I say, oh, yeah, I don't do that anymore. In fact, I don't even like it anymore. In fact, I'm not even interested in fishing anymore. I'm really just all about fishing for men. That's who I am. That defines me. That's my character. That's my gift. It's whatever the Lord says I am, that's what I am. See, that's the mindset believers or true disciples ought to have. If he says I'm a whatever I am, if he said for me, if he says I'm a, that you're a pastor, it doesn't matter if I feel gifted. It doesn't matter, matter if I wake up and feel anointed. I can tell you in the early days, didn't feel either. <laughs> Gifted nor anointed, nor bold, nor <laughs> valuable in any, in any way as far as to speak into someone else's life. But he said I was, so what do I say? I am. That's what I am. That's what I do. That's what I enjoy. That's what defines me. You see, a disciple of the Lord is listening for what the Lord says, not just what we want. The Lord does, just doesn't want people to believe in him. He didn't come after these guys and say, Levi, I want you to believe in me. Come, come, leave that stuff and believe in me. No, he said, come follow me. And that's really what the Lord wants of us today. Many people believe on the Lord, but it doesn't actually change their life. You know, we can point to different things in the Word of God. Remember Acts chapter 19? Uh, you can read back there and find out there was a group of people, and they, when they came to the Lord, they got saved. They were, these, these people were involved in all kinds of weird stuff, this witchcraft and, and sorcery type of stuff. And the Bible says they brought all their books and all their curious stuff, their whatever that was. You read it. And, uh, and they had a big fire, didn't they? Everything that represented their old life, of course, it was, very, it was wrong and sinful. They brought it, and they said, we're done with that. I mean, we're, we're, we belong to the Lord now. We belong to Him. And so we are no longer going to live the way we used to live. Let's, let's torch this baby. Amen. And I think sometimes today we want, to, we want to say, I'm a believer now. I'm saved. I'm walking with the Lord. But we want to hold on to all the things that used to define us. And if the Lord says, I'm going to make you the best fisherman that ever was, good. That's what I am. But there are some things that we're definitely, if we're going to be a disciple of the Lord, we're starting a fire. 
Come on now, whether that's literal or figurative, there are some certain things in our life that are going to burn. I'm not just going to keep acting the same way I used to act, keep living the way I used to live, but now i got a Christian bumper sticker. Now i got the T-shirt. Now I'm saved. No, I don't want to just be saved. I want to be a disciple. I want to understand what that means. What we've got to understand. So that's what we're going to deal with today. Uh, I tell you, when I got into this, I saw that it was really big. But I've whittled it down. I'm going to leave most of what Jesus said about this aside for today. You do your own study. But I want to give you three things. What does a disciple look like? Three things that answer this question. What does a disciple look like? And let's start in John chapter 8. John, the 8th chapter. And notice with me in verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, now, now think about this. Jesus said to those Jews who what? Who believed him. In other words, he wasn't trying to convince them to believe him. They already believed him, and then he had a word for them. It's not that the goal is simply... It starts and finishes with belief. Once we believe in the Lord, then He wants to talk to us and tell us how to become a disciple. Everybody with me? And He said, if you will abide in My Word, then you will be. What if I don't abide in His Word? Then I won't be. I'll still believe in Him, but if I don't abide in His Word, I won't actually be following Him. All right. The King James Bible there says, if you'll continue in my word. All right. You're taking notes. Write that down as number one. A disciple, what do they do? They continue in the word. A true disciple will continue in the word. See, that's one of the big problems in many people's lives is they begin something, but they don't continue in it. And the, and the, a relationship with God is not just about a beginning. It's not where you start. It's where you end. It's what you're doing today. It's what you're going to do tomorrow. Okay? And if I just have a good blast off, but I run out of gas shortly thereafter, I will not be what Jesus defined now as a disciple of the Lord. I've got to continue. There's got to be a continuance. And we know this. There's a great deal of fluctuation that takes place in people's lives today. One week they're up. Next week they're down. Next week they're up. Next week they're down, or maybe they do it by years or uh, whatever this their kind of schedule they're on. But it's, there's just not, not a whole lot of consistent, consistency, not a whole lot of continuance. But this is something that we must keep in play in our lives. We've got to continue in His Word. Listen to this. This is the Amplified Bible. It says, If you abide in My Word, hold fast to My teachings, and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. What? If you hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them. Notice, say, well, that's talking about living. That almost gets into that works arena, right? And we're not that works group. We're grace, right? We're, we believe in grace. Listen, of course we do. And we'll teach grace all day long, how it's not about your works and your righteousness. It's about what he has done. However, let's not go into the other ditch. And we think grace means sitting on the couch. We think grace means I've received the Lord and now I just 
do nothing. No, no, no. Grace is an empowerment to do right. It's God's ability that enables us to live for Him. All right? My life is about receiving freely what God has done for me, but it is about abiding in His Word and letting His Word change my thinking, change my actions, change my, my, my words and everything I do. If I don't abide in His Word, I won't alter the condition or the actions of my life. Therefore, I won't be a disciple or be like Him. Okay? Now, a disciple... Simply is, if you could define it by someone who is a follower, someone who is a learner. If we're a truly, truly a disciple, why do we want to continue or abide in His Word? Because I want to learn. I want to learn everything He would have to say to me. I need to understand so I can follow. If, not, if I'm not in His Word, I can't follow Him. You know, just because a person may use the slogan of what would Jesus do? Have the bumper sticker, the bracelet, and the t-shirt. Just because they have that going on in their life does not mean that they actually know what Jesus would do. They just know that that's a good saying. It's a good philosophy to do what He would do. But you don't know what He would do unless you regularly hear from Him. And so often people are saying, just what would Jesus do? He's over there, and they're walking this way because the entrance of God's Word brings light, brings understanding to the simple. If I'm not receiving His words, I can't see. I don't see clearly what God wants me to do, how He wants me to live my life, and that's why abiding in His Word is so necessary. I remember a, a saying, I think it was a, a man named Gordon Lindsay who said something to this effect, that most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day but feed their spirit one cold snack a week. And see, some wonder, why isn't everything working? Man, why am I so weak? Why am I discouraged? Why is this not just incredible like I see in the promises of God? Man, you, you, how much are you eating? you got to eat right. Amen. It, and often, again, people go into prayer mode there. Well, I'm just down. Not feeling too good. I'm weak. Pray for me. Well, you know, I, I, I believe in prayer real strong. Do lots of praying myself. But a lot of times, it's not about you need someone to pray for you. We need to check your diet. We need to see what, and I'm not talking what you're eating for lunch today. I'm talking that kind of diet. I'm talking, I'm talking what, what words are you hearing are you continuing in the Word? Because if you don't, you can't live the Christian life to the potential that God designed. You can't, have, you can't taste the high life, so to speak, and live on the plane that He wants you to live. We must abide in His Word. He didn't say, if you'll abide in my Word, or if you'll get a bunch of people praying for you, one or the other, whatever's convenient, then you'll be my disciple. No, prayer has its place. But I tell you what, it doesn't substitute for abiding and continuing in His Word. So we need to be a disciple. We need to follow. We're following Him. We're looking for His every move. Amen. Just like Anakin would look at Obi-Wan. And watch their very step, every move. Do everything they say, everything He says. Even when He's called my very young Padawan. It's times when the Word will correct and rebuke and... And uh, set straight. 
We've got to continue in the Word. Amen? All right, let's go on number two. Number two, what does a disciple look like? A disciple values what the Master says above all else. A disciple values what the Master says above all else. And again, this concept needs to be in our hearts of this question, what does the Lord want me to do? Not what do I want to do, what seems best to me, what feels right, what is most beneficial from my vantage point. It's what does the Lord want me to do? And I tell you what, most people are not asking that question. They're not asking that question about coming to church. They're not asking that question about their family and their job and their life and their business and and all kinds of decisions that they make. It's the question is always just, well, what do I want? What makes me feel good? And then, see, they become very immature, and they're just driven around by their feelings and emotions as opposed to, what does he want me to do? Okay? And this is a big shift in people's mentality uh, to even ask that, to even even think that way. Um, Sometimes people will have have a decision to make, and so they'll go to other people. You know, and to a degree, you know, there's some wisdom in talking to other people. In the midst of counselors, there's safety, Scripture says. But ultimately, uh, I'm not your disciple. Ultimately, you're not my disciple. We're his. And so I may ask a question to to see what you think. And you might give me your answer. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the same thing the Lord would say. You know, sometimes people may come to me because, you know, they respect me in my position and so forth. And they say, do you think it'd be all right if I did? And they explain. How many understand that's not really the best question? Do I think it's all right? Are you listening? I mean, someone might say, uh, for example, I mean, because these things have happened. I'm getting this new job. But it requires me to work every other weekend, and uh, so I won't be able to be in church as, as, as often as, as normal. Uh, you think that would be all right? It doesn't matter what I think. The question isn't whether I think it would be all right, because typically you can ask friends and people that are good people, and they'll say, well, you, they might tell you what they think. Well, I think that would be all right. I mean, that's fine. But that's not the right question. The question is, what does the Lord think? What does He want you to do? And a lot of times we don't want to ask that question. We want to ask someone else who's going to let us do whatever we want. And then if it doesn't work, well, you told me. You told me that'd be all right. But if we went to the Lord and we said the Lord said it'd be all right and it didn't work, then what are we going to say? I guess it wasn't the Lord, wasn't it? (laughs) And so again, we want to get people's approval because we don't ever, if you're tr- uh, an honest person, you want to do the right thing. You want to make right decisions. And so you get people to, to agree with you, get people to say, oh, yeah, I think that'd be okay, but that's not the final word on it. Again, who are we following? And I need to ask the Lord concerning big decisions in my life, what do you want me to do? Because sometimes, again, people will say, yeah, I think that's fine, but it's not. It's not with the Lord. Should we talk about something else? We can teach prosperity or something. 
what does a disciple look like? Let number three. Number three, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. It has to do with discipline. A disciple is a disciplined person. Now you can see that right within the word. You break apart the word disciple and you see the word discipline right in there. Again, a disciple is not one who just lives by their feelings, lives by whatever uh, emotion they're on at the moment, lives by their circumstances. They're one who lives by whatever the master says. If the Lord wants something of me, it doesn't matter at this point what I feel and what I want. A true disciple adjusts to meet the expectations of the one they're following. Now, 1 Corinthians 9, everybody there, verse 24, Paul wrote here, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Can you see the picture here? He's talking about a track meet. He's talking about a race, talking about athletics. He said, if you're going to be in this thing, you might as well do it in such a way where you can win. I mean, there's a trophy. You might as well prepare and run this thing in such a way where you get the trophy. Don't just think because you're out on the track, because you're in the race, that that's all that matters. Think anyone could have that mindset towards Christianity? Well, at least I'm saved. What kind of lofty goal is that? At le- well, at least I'm in the, you know, it's like you see a bunch of runners out there and you see someone skipping along and just looking around. Like, well, at least I'm in the track meet. I'll talk to the coach. <laughs> Think he's happy with that? No. If you're going to be out there, you do what it takes to get the crown. You do what it takes to win this thing, not just I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm just going to approach life like whatever I do doesn't really matter. No, it matters. A true disciple is a disciplined one. How many know an athlete does not prepare for a race or a boxing match or a football game by sitting on the couch? An athlete has to go through rigorous training if they're going to be successful at that endeavor. Come on. Remember Rocky, you know? Punch the meat and and, uh, uh, you you go through a lot if you want to be a champion, if you want to win. And this is compared to our spiritual life. If you want to do great things, if you want to be a disciple of the Lord, there is some effort that's put forth on on your part. There is something that I must do. So I said, no, not me. I'm under grace. (laughs) A sloppy grace. Some perverted idea of grace grace is God's empowerment to act not permission to sit on the couch okay let's keep reading verse 25 and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things they do it to obtain a perishable crown but we for an imperishable crown therefore in other words the comparison here is man this is not even a comparison you're doing it to win a little trophy that's going to burn up someday and, uh, and we're doing this for everlasting things, for eternal value. So much more important that we be a disciplined follower of the Lord, even more so than be a disciplined athlete in the earth. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. I fight, thus I fight, not, with, not as one who beats in the air. I'm not just swinging around without any focus here. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. 
Paul knew that if he didn't keep control of his own life and keep himself on the straight and narrow doing right, that there's going to come a point in time, doesn't matter the call, the anointing, what, he's, what God wants him to do, nobody's going to listen to him. Nobody's going to hear if he ends up on the spiritual junk heap. And that's why it's important what we do with our lives. As a follower, I've got to have some discipline. What does that mean? That means there's times that I don't feel like it, I do it anyway. There's times uh, in following the Lord that I'll need to act a certain way, and my flesh wants to scream and act out the other way. Come on, I'm supposed to love, and I really want to punch. I'm supposed to get to work to help someone, to serve in the church, to do something, and I really just want to pull the sheet over my head and stay in bed. But that makes the difference. It separates the men from the boys. It makes a difference with who's really going to be serious and be used of God and who's going to go back into just carnal ways of whatever happens, happens. Whatever I feel like doing, I'm going to do. Amen. Let me show you one more verse over here in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says in verse 3, you therefore, Paul writing to Timothy here, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's some language that we don't often gravitate towards, that you must endure hardship. A part of following the Lord, there's going to be some bumps in the road. A lot of those are people bumps. <laughs> there are people that get in the way and cause you trouble and give you harm. But he said, like a soldier, as a good soldier, endure. Now, that gives us the picture of someone in the military, someone fighting in a war, someone who's in a platoon or under authority, someone who's, who who's takes orders, they have missions, they have jobs and assignments. How many know someone in one of the military branches doesn't really just get to do what they want to do. I mean, if they're given an order, they can't respond, well, you know, I don't really want to. That's really not my gift. I don't really feel like it. And, and you know, and the, the officer in charge says, you know, soldier, you're going to do this, and you're going to do it now, and you're going to do it with a good attitude. You're going to like it. And, uh, and they, don't re they can't respond, you know, well, I don't really like the way you said that to me. And I'm feeling very underappreciated right now. I, I feel you don't value me. And, uh, and if you would just, you know, couch those terms in softer tones, I think, uh, I think we'd get along much better. Is that the way, is that the way it works? <laughs> Negative, right. And, uh, uh, but this is the picture again of some of the attitude that we have to have as disciples of the Lord, as Christ followers, we need to have a degree of toughness to us. And I think too many people in the good old U.S. of A. Christian church, believers in, in the United States, are very, very wimpy. They're very, very, very soft, very feeling-oriented. And so quick, because it's all about me, it's all about my feelings, it's all about what I like and what I don't like, what makes me feel good, what I'm comfortable with, and they need, I think some of us need to just be jerked, you know, slack jerked out of us, 
and we begin to toughen up and say, there is something of greater and eternal, more eternal value here that's at stake. It's not about all about me being comfortable and liking everything. This is, this is uh, to some degree, it's a battle. It's a war. People shoot at you. You know, the enemy is going to loft some stuff your way that's going to try to get you to quit. And too many people quit way too easy. I mean, the slightest disruption in what you expected out of life, the slightest variation from what I had imagined that this would all be about, and I'm ready to throw in the towel. I, don't, I can't put up with the way this person talked to me or the way that person looked cross-eyes at me and, and the way this didn't work out. Listen, I can tell you I could have quit a thousand times if I was going to be led around by whether something made me feel good or whether everyone acted just right, whether everything came out exactly as I thought it would or planned. But there's got to be something about us that says, no, I'm just going to be tough here. I think we've trained people to be crybabies and made it okay. You know, someone says, says, well, I just really don't like the way so-and-so treated me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they should knock that off. Well, I, I just don't, I just sure don't appreciate the way they did such and such a way. The pastor even preached that message this morning. Would you spare people listening to your, your opinion? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Not everyone wants to be subject to your crybabiness. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the person next to you. <laughs> But when we make this stuff okay, it's like, oh, yeah, that's wrong. And we all, people pet each other's grievances and pet each other's pettiness until uh, just this emotional wearing, you know, your feelings on your shirt sleeve approach to Christianity. And that person can get run over by the devil so easy. I tell you what, if they get a bad night's sleep, they're not going to go to church. Wow, way to go, soldier. Really toughen this thing out, enduring hardship. Huh? Well, someone didn't say anything to me. And can I say this and you still like me? Some of you. That <laughs> <I> was weak. <laughs> I'll still stay married. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I did extra, I did this, this, and this for these people. I did this, this, and this. And no one said a word to me. This is not, this is not uh, teaching on how someone can be a good leader. That's a different lesson. This is teaching how to be a good follower, a disciple. They don't even appreciate me. Well, who are you working for? Ultimately, we're all going to be disappointed if we're looking to each other for approval, for someone else to pat us on the back. We've got to be living for Jesus. He's the one we're going to follow. And trust me, he's got a good track, uh, a good record of everything you've done for him. The Bible said he is not unjust to forget your labor of love. Nothing goes unseen. Not even giving a cup of cold water to one of these little ones. You'll receive your reward. But let's not live so weak spine. You know what I'm talking about? As believers today, 
Come on, soldier, toughen up, have some backbone, let's get the will of God accomplished and not let this life just run over us and let any hiccup or any hardship knock us out of the game. Get back up, brush yourself off, it hurts, it doesn't feel good, someone's, you know, it's not always uh, fun emotionally to deal with, but we've got to have the big picture. Amen. He said endure hardship as a good shoulder. Everybody say, suck it up. Yeah. Amen. Again, not everyone wants to hear what you think. Have something positive to say. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's finish up with this. We're talking about making disciples now. But I had to say all that, both so we understand and we can view ourselves in light of what really a disciple is. And I realize, again, I didn't even exhaust it by any means. I just gave you a little snapshot. But how do we make one? We're talking about making a disciple. Jesus told us, if I'm really a disciple, then I'm doing what he told me to do. Right? I value what he says above everything I think. He told me to make a disciple. How can I do that? Well, when I lead someone to the Lord, I'm going to tell them some things. They say, you know, I confess the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. Now what? I'm going to tell them some things. First, I'm going to tell them, you need to get baptized in water. That's what Jesus said to do. Right? That's the very first thing I'm going to I'm not going to come at, I'm not going to talk to them and say, okay, you've received the Lord. Now, if you have time, uh, you know, if you can work it in your schedule, it would be really cool if you could get baptized. No, I'm going to say, well, Jesus is Lord now. You're saved. You're, you know, it's amazing. You're going to have such an exciting life. Uh, here's, here's what you do to follow the Lord. Here's what you do to become a, a true disciple of Him. First thing you're going to do is get baptized in water. And you're going to do that right away. Okay? I'm going to tell them. Secondly, I'm going to tell them. And also, by the way, now, from this point on, you're going to be in, you're going to be going to church every week. At least once a week. But you're going to be in church every week. I'm not going to approach it again. Hey, it'd be really cool if, uh, you know, maybe sometime if you weren't sleeping in or something. Or, uh, you know, you didn't have too much, if you didn't have too much going on, if maybe you could come, you know, get involved in, in church or something. No. Why say why don't you want to say it that way? Because I'm misrepresenting the Lord. We do that because it makes it easy on us. Because it's you know we're giving them a direct word to act on, and if I do that again, I might be saying that I might think that's an okay approach, but does the Lord want someone to do that? What would He say to him? You know, remember the woman who was caught in adultery and he had mercy on her and and uh, remember he said to her after that he said go and reduce your sin 50% <laughs> if you could just knock this down a little bit <laughs> no he just gave her he gave her a direct statement he said you know you need to knock this off now he said he said go and sin no more merciful and yet still given a word of truth and direction as to what would be the right course of action to live, to lead from this point forward. All right. So I'm going to tell people, uh, you need to get baptized in water. You need to get in church every week. We're, you know, if this is a Saturday, then you're, they're going to start that day, that night, or that next morning. Right? That's the, say, well, I'm busy. No, you're not. No, you're not. Now, they're going to do whatever they decide to do, but you're going to point them in the direction of what the Lord says to them. 
No, he says you're coming. <laughs> Why? This is what helps them. And, of course, we know we have the whole system, like we told you earlier, with authentic life, where you can help them walk right through that, that, that system to become a disciple. The third thing I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell them to read their Bible. I'm going to tell them to read their Bible. Now, understand, as I'm giving this little mini list here, don't expand it. Don't give someone 50 things to do. Okay, now that you're saved, let's go down the list. Okay. <laughs> you're going to overwhelm someone. Secondly, you're probably going to get in away from the grace of God and into a legalistic works mentality, and that's not what we want. We want to get them in a position where they can continually receive the word and hear from the Lord themselves. And then as he directs them, their, their life will change. They'll follow him, and things will be dropped off, and things will be added to them, and there'll be, there'll be a lot of changes in their life over time. Amen. Okay, I'm not going to deal with the person and say, uh, by the way, I noticed uh, that right there in your shirt, you got some, uh, you know, uh, what do you call those? <laughs> I noticed you've been smoking, and you're going to have to quit that too. I'm not putting that on the list. Are you listening? Someone said, well, I don't think they ought to smoke. I know, but don't exalt what you think they ought not do as being conditional about their salvation. You get them walking with the Lord. If he wants them to stop, he can talk to them. But we don't want to turn the grace of God into some big legalistic system. Amen. We are all a work in progress, aren't we? Amen. No one goes to hell for smoking, do they? Or any other thing, any other particular sin that you can think of. I want to get them following the Lord. If they will follow the Lord, my job is done. They've become a disciple. I want to. I want to tell them to pray. Did I tell you to read? Did I tell, tell you number three? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Don't tell them to start in Genesis. Get them in the New Testament. Don't get them memorizing so and so begat so and so begat so and so begat so and so. Don't get them reading some prophetic picture and they can't even understand it. Simple stuff like John, the Gospel of John. Get them reading the New Testament and uh, don't tell them you got to read ten chapters a day because that's what I do. No. Just get, them, just get them started. Finding out what the Master says. Amen. I want to get them to read their Bible. I want to get them to pray. And I'm not going to, again, I'm not, you got to pray an hour a day. No. I just want to get them to start being in communion with the Father. Talk to them like a real person. Don't get religious about it. They're going to learn how to pray and the different types of prayer and all that stuff as they walk with Him. Uh, but I want to get them, the, the next one is I want to get them, and this is where I'm stopping. But I want to get them to share what they've received with somebody else. All right? Because I am endeavoring to make a true disciple, not some crybaby who just says, and you tell them, well, if they don't treat you right, then you just tell me. <laughs> They're going to be abused. <laughs> at some point in life, someone's going to treat them wrong or look cross eyed at them. And you know what I'm talking about? I've heard people getting upset about they didn't get the right parking spot. Literally Christian people have gotten upset about someone took their seat where they always sit. That's where my seat, that's where I sit. And they get all up in arms. Wow. People are going to hell. And we're upset about... I just think a lot of times we've allowed, we've enabled, we've given permission for that type of babiness to survive. 
And as the body of Christ, as the army of God, it's time to suck it up. It's time to be strong, have a backbone and say, I realize there's hardships, there's hiccups along the road, but I am going to follow him. Whatever he says to me, that's going to become the most important thing in my life from this point on. And there's nothing in my life that's out of bounds, nothing in my life that he can't deal with, that I'm going to say, no, that's mine, you can't have it. As a true disciple, he's got access to all of me at any time. Never sacrifice what you think is good for what he knows is good for your life. Trust him. But this is what I want to lead people into. This is what I want to help them with. And again, I'm not giving, I don't want to give some overwhelming list. I want to get someone heading in the right direction. Praise God. Amen. And we can have an, a, a, just a powerful effect and make good, solid disciples of the Lord. Let me pray for you today. Father, thanks so much for your goodness and your mercy, your love in our lives. Thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for your power that is resident inside of each and every one of us as believers. We believe that it's effective, effectual in us, equipping and preparing us to do the will of God. We not only Lord, want to be followers, learners, disciplined followers of Christ, but we want to make others who are also fully committed and have given themselves completely to you. Thank you for helping us now. We believe that you're at work. You're at work in us. And I thank you for your grace. Lord, for those areas we've missed it, Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you the blood of Jesus has been spilled to wash us clean. None of us have to live in guilt, feeling bad about what we've been or what we've not been. But I thank you, Lord, you lift us up to a new place of effectiveness today. Thank you, Lord. Father, for those times we've been full of ourselves, thinking only of our interests and our wants and our feelings. Lord, we repent and turn from those ways. Thank you for washing us clean. Thank you for your life in our lives now. I do pray for those who've come to church that have never been saved. Father, for those who've, who are here in our presence.